the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Your station for Through the Bible with J. Vernon McGee. Weekday mornings at 6, a.m. 630 KSLR San Antonio. A service of Salem Media Group. What makes Rose Cleaners the best in dry cleaning? They do my laundry the way I like it. The wonderful customer service. Personal quality. I have some things I like done with my clothes that I ask for and it's always done. They do good work. I just love Rose Cleaners. Very excellent customer service and uh, they've made me very happy since I've been here. They've got friendly employees when you walk in and um, they haven't lost any of my clothes in 19 years. Rose Cleaners, serving San Antonio for over 20 years. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888 That's P.O. Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218 Hi, I'm Eric Galindo Training Director for the FSI Training School For individuals and businesses we offer certification courses in CPR and First Aid through the American Heart Association and also the Vehicle Safety Inspector course for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Courses are available every week for your convenience. Call me, Eric, at 210-314-2615. That's 210-314-2615. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible, have fun, and win valuable prizes and resources for yourself, your family, your church, or favorite ministry. Here's how it works. Listen to the Bible Live Scripture Reading Program. Weeknights at 8. Not a program about the Bible, the Bible itself. Hear a 15 to 20 minute reading each weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Then on Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the past week's Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian Scout through the Book of Books, Soapy Dollar. Good evening, everyone.
everyone. Thank you for joining us tonight. John just told a funny. That's funny. <laughs> Comfort and joy we bring to you because he said it is nice and comforting to know that some things never change. Uh, like that intro. <laughs> yes, we have to. We have to update our, our intro. I understand that. Someday, someday, when Soapy Dollar, uh, uh, a number of you listeners are helping me out with that detail and uh, giving me encouragement. Soapy, that's no longer true, and I, I know it. I know it. I don't know can if I'm me? just lazy. Hey, Soapy, can you, you hear me? I can hear you fine. Okay, I just want to be sure because I was seeing the bar go up. I just want to make sure I'm actually at the bar. You are at the bar. You, he, don't worry, folks. Don't panic. We're talking about the bars on our on our equipment here. That you know the tells how high the the volume is set on our microphones. So we're not talking about anything else. Uh, great. Thank you for joining us tonight. This is the quiz show. Now we're. We're kind of um, wondering about the quiz show. We're, we're kind of thinking that too that uh, it's come more. It's becoming you're quizzing us in a way, turning, calling in with your insights, with your thoughts, with your impressions, and with your uh, questions about the scriptures. And that is very much an aspect of the Bible Live quiz show. We're quizzing all things biblical. We've got uh, some questions here. Our, our emphasis this particular Sunday. Uh, is uh, and, and we're doing some work on our website. We're trying to get it up where you go and you can hear uh, the Bible live there at our website uh, through iTunes or wh- some way uh, downloading or listening to them. But we are on our schedule, our w- yearly reading schedule. We read Psalm 96 and we read Psalm uh, Proverbs 20 through 22. Proverbs 20 through 22. And then uh, in our readings, actually, the larger portions of Scripture, the we read basically the entire book of Second Corinthians. That was the that was the emphasis. Although I I have to say we finished up chapters uh, the ch- the book of First Corinthians and reading uh, some very important chapters come at the end of First Corinthians. As most of you know, you get. Uh, Chapter 13, uh, we read chapters 12 through, uh, what is it, 12 through 15, the end of 16 of 1 Corinthians. And so that includes the great uh, the great chapter of the, of the New Testament and of the Bible, actually considered by many people, or it's called the love chapter. The chapter is a very definitive chapter. It's read at weddings and uh, quite often uses descriptively as we talk about the... the uh, the idea of loving others, loving other people. So we can talk about that a little bit tonight from First Corinthians chapters 12 through uh, 16 to end the chapter. And then we went on into Second Corinthians. We read the entire second book uh, of the Corinthians. Now this is actually the fourth letter. There were, uh, if I remember correctly, there were four letters that Paul sent. They're actually mentioned in these passages in First and Second Corinthians. But there were four letters that he sent to them. Two of those letters survive. We know them as First and Second Corinthians, and uh, this is the uh, a very very interesting book for us to focus on and read about tonight. Um, Jacob and I have been talking a, a lot about uh, the interfacing of the interaction between uh, Christianity in the religious sense here, Christianity and Judaism, and of course. That was clearly a great hot topic of this era. This was, uh, I mean, by, 
we can't deny the fact our roots as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are, in all, for all intents and purposes, we are Jewish. Uh, we believe in Jehovah, the Jewish God. We, we believe in Jewish scriptures. We, Jewish prophets. We, the Jewish Messiah. The uh, everything about it, it, Messiah was. It's a Jewish concept. It's a Jewish promise. So, in a sense, it's not that. Uh, it's not that Jews have to convert to Christianity so much in that sense. It's that we as believers and, and followers of Jesus have to realize and recapture the truth that that we have been grafted in. We're the ones grafted in. Perhaps we could Israel. use another word than recapture. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know you get a little nervous. Any of those kind of words, capture, recapture. But um, we are the ones being recaptured, okay? Uh, not... Uh, we we need to be brought in and understand our uh, legacy, who we are, as es- in essence. So uh, anyway, that's our readings for tonight. Come from those particular books. Uh, I think all everything about Corinth, Jacob, to me is very very interesting because it, it it's very descriptive in in a lot of ways. Don't you think Corinth was a city that's? I think it highlights some of the problems we face in our world today, and particularly in American culture. It, the, Corinth was a city, it's a Greek city. It is, uh, it was, it had become incredible, it had a, a background, a history of just incredible uh, perversion and, and sin and a lot of um, uh, wickedness in the city in every sense. Uh, uh, even sexual perversion and, and, and uh yeah, but in, unfortunately, in what happened in Corinthian or Corinth uh, did not stay there, as it does in Las Vegas. You know, it got, oh, it got published in the Bible for got, God's sake. It, if it happens in Corinth, it, it stays in Corinth. I mean, you reckon they had that saying in that day? Whatever happens in Corinth stays in Corinth. Well, it didn't happen, and it didn't stay in Corinth because, uh, as you say, Paul wrote these two letters to them, and, and here you have this clash. I mean, really, this tremendous. Uh, conflict between righteousness and goodness and holiness and purity uh, that we are called to as uh, people of God, the followers of, of Messiah, and believe, those of us who believe in God and want to obey God and honor God with our lives. There's this incredible clash with the culture, with the surrounding uh, uh, values there in Corinth. And so, I mean, there was, it was that, I think there were, I don't know how many temples to, uh, Various false gods were there, major temples. Uh, so it was a very religious city in that sense. Uh, but uh, I think Aphrodite and other other gods and goddesses that, that were followed in that era. So there was this big clash between uh, Christianity, the followers of Jesus, and, and uh, this this movement uh, that was sweeping across the Roman Empire. And the culture of Corinth, and so I think we can learn a lot about it in the times in which we live, as well. Uh, we could make some comparisons, and uh, uh, the culture has so deteriorated over the last forty or fifty years that we are coming to have to make those, a lot of tough decisions as believers, as how we stand with things taking place in our culture. Now there will be one difference, and Bernadette is already calling in, and I, I want to go ahead and take that call quickly if we can. But the one big difference I see here is that here we are in the 21st century, the United States of America, and we, 
I don't know if Jacob would. Uh, I, I'm kind of curious for Jacob's take on this. Uh, you used to say we decide who our leaders are. We we elect them. We vote for them. We make that decision. And and in in the days of Jesus and the days of Paul here, they didn't. They it was a, they lived under a tyranny. Uh, a forced. They were forced to accept the authority and the rules and the. Uh, um, well, the dictates of of the emperor of Rome, and uh, here, so they did not live in a democracy or a representative republic uh, as we do. And I often wondered, I wonder how their teachings would have changed if Jesus and Paul and the, you know the early believers, if if they lived in a land where you know every four years they elected their leader, where they elected their representatives to Congress, and so on. I wonder how they're. I wonder what they would have taught. I wonder what they, if their teaching and so on, would have changed any. Uh, and and of course, it could. We could almost take that back to uh, the the uh, Tanakh in the Old Testament, Jacob. If, but I get the sense that it was a little. More, it was a little more democratic than we think. It wasn't just well. After Saul comes David, and after David automatically comes Solomon. Something always took place between these kings and. Was was there a sense in which the people felt like they chose the kings of Israel? Chose the kings of Israel. In some uh, ways, you feel like behind the scenes there must have been some it, manipulating it, going a, on. A, okay, here's a sense. Uh, I want to tell you, you'll find it. Actually, I think it's in the last couple chapters, uh, 31 of Deuteronomy. Every king of Israel had to make two handwritten copies of the Torah. Uh-huh. And he had to keep one for himself to his right. On a pedestal, the Levites would keep the other copy, and that would be, quote-unquote, a witness against him. So he would have to follow the laws of God, which is a sense of democracy and human rights. Well, at and, least that was like their constitution in a way, right? That well, was their the ultimate authority? Yeah, sure, sure. And so, uh, but they didn't elect them, per se. But they would certainly be challenged if they failed to follow them, because, and they can't say they didn't know, because they required... And it's in Deuteronomy that it's required. Actually, it's the last listing, believe it or not, of the 613. We see you. I'm thinking of Saul. Uh Saul wanted his son Jonathan to follow him on the throne. He did. It didn't turn out that way. No, it did not. Somehow, uh, and of course we're taught to believe and believe that it was God who ordained and sent Samuel to, to, uh, I was going to say baptize, but I meant, uh, what do you do when you put oil, sprinkle oil to, Yeah. Uh, David to appoint oh, I you anoint, say anoint. Like a massage or something. An- <laughs> no, <laughs> anoint David, this young shepherd boy, to yeah. be the next king. He, he did indeed. So, yes. and and I don't know how much. Well, actually, David was not able to exercise, oh. step into that role oh. as king of oh. all of Israel, right. uh, until I mean, I think he he first became the, the king or ruler over. Uh, Judah and Benjamin in the south, and then what was it? Seven or eight years later, that he was given the authority to to rule over the king, the tribes of the north as yes. well. Yeah. And so, w- was that some, at least some form or some kind of uh, well, people, election or well, okay. people had to give him that authority, right? Uh, God is, if you want to put it that way, God is electing. Yeah, and he gives the rules to the king. The king must follow. Him. And in those rules that people really are not too familiar with these days, it's a tremendously uh, representative 
and the facts and the rules that you must represent how you represent other human beings in the kingdom. Yeah. And if a person failed to follow God's laws, the Torah, then uh, the idea is that God would remove him like Saul in your example. Yeah. And then David had to do it. And, uh, of course, we got the story of when David failed to do it, you know, at the, uh, with the, yeah. uh, the wife, Bathsheba and all. So every time that they failed to follow, there was something going on. So God was sort of like the grand enforcer, if you will, of humanity and how you treat your fellow human beings. The Old Testament, the Torah in particular. And the is, people had the only, the way the people voted is the way they responded to that authority, right? In other words, justice, justice shall you pursue. Okay. That you may live long upon the land. Failure to pursue justice, justice. Now, when it repeats it twice, I've heard lots of really interesting explanations of why it's uh, I repeat a word twice in the Hebrew. Uh-huh. However, I'd like to share the correct one. Uh, that's a kind of a joke. You know? But it means like... When it says holy, holy, or justice, uh-huh. justice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So verily, go, verily. <laughs> well, it means in substance and in practice. In other words, if I... Uh, again, give an example. Suppose I tortured you and tortured you, and I made you say something which was true. Did I derive it by just acts? The answer is no. So the substance has to be true, but how you achieved it, the process, wow. also must be true. Like it, I like it a lot. It, it, it's a reflection. Of, uh, I think a lot of us have. That's a very important point. That's a very important truth, actually. Well, actually, I... Verily, I, verily. Yeah, yeah, I didn't... Uh, yeah. I, I'm not responsible for the authorship. I just carry the message. Uh, that's all right. You just carry the water. That's yeah. good. Well, listen, Bernadette is on the phone. Yeah, let's go so let's and talk to visit with Bernadette quickly and find out what's on her mind tonight. Hi, Bernadette. Good evening. How are you? We are very, very well. Thank you very much. And I haven't even had a chance to ask Jacob what's on the calendar these days. I bet there's some... Exciting things going on uh, from the from the Jewish calendar and so on, but I got to you first because I always enjoy hearing from you, and you always have some interesting insights and thoughts for us. Well, I have questions for you. Oh, right. uh, oh, jump back, jump back. Yes, I do. Um, I have a question question for you about Christianity, and as you know, I'm certainly not familiar with a lot of the uh, Christian laws. Actually, most of them. I'm sure that you are familiar with the 613 mitzvot, which uh, Jacob already mentioned. Yes. Correct, Sophie? Yes, I am. That's the idea of the uh, 613 laws, 6 plus 1 is 7 and 3 is 10. And but you are familiar with each of the laws, is correct? The book of Judges? Uh, no, uh, actually, you're right, Sophie. And, and so she is uh, 613 is 6 plus 1 is 7 plus 3 is 10 to 10 commandments, but they're all in there in some way. In where? Are we in talking? the 10 commandments. In the t- okay, all right. But, the, but well, my question not. is are Christians bound by the 613 mitzvot? What a great question. <laughs> Soapy, you, you are on, may I say, the pedestal. I am on the uh, hot seat, I think, in a way. What a great question. <laughs> uh, I'm serious. Are Christians bound by them? Yeah, let me, very interesting question. Here's the way I've come to understand, Bernadette. In the first place, um, we're, let's think of us as not Christians, if you don't mind, for just a moment. Let's think of ourselves as Jewish converts. We, we have, basically that's what we are. We, we've come to believe in Jehovah, the one true God, the creator. We've come to believe in, in, in the, the Torah, in God's word, the Bible, uh, Jewish laws, Jewish 
prophets, Jewish Messiah. And so in a sense, we've, we've received the full Jewish revelation, and we've, we, as Gentiles, we've stepped into it and received it and so on. So as converted Gentiles, it's my understanding from Jacob that we are not subject to the laws in what we see in Acts chapter 15, the council that took place there. Oh, good. We are, so we are only responsible. You've been, the, you've been listening. No, Noahic laws? Uh, no, no-eyed. No-eyed laws, but not uh, responsible for the... And there are a lot of different names. Sometimes, uh, I don't know, have you heard the idea of um, uh, ritual laws as opposed to like moral laws and so on? The hierarchy of laws. I don't know how you feel about that, um, but that we are, yes, we are responsible. My understanding is we are responsible for the moral laws, uh, like the, the Ten Commandments, the basics, but not the laws of dietary or health laws or the uh, the ritual uh, religious practice laws, you know, the, the festivals and so on. Although we're not prohibited by any stretch to participate and be a part of them that we are not under that authority uh, that we, that, I don't know, we, uh, am I saying it halfway decently, Jacob? Yeah, uh, yeah. and I like the fact you brought up the no-eyed laws, yes. I think that a lot of Christians, though, if you ask a lot of Christians, that's why Jacob said it was a great, great, difficult question, because I think a lot of Christians have lost their identity as, as being grafted into you know, that we are, in fact, converted Jews. We've, we've come into Judaism is, is the reality. It's not that Jews have to convert to Christianity. We're the ones who have come in. And I think a lot of Christians have lost that and forgotten that. It's right there in our New Testament. It's written over and over again. Uh, but we've kind of, that's where we stand today. We've got these two different, totally different religious religions and religious systems. And they conflict and they contrast with each other instead of uh, complementing and building as, as they should. I think there should be a very positive bridge uh, there, and, and that's what I'm experiencing with Jacob and a number of other believers, uh, both Jewish and Gentile believers. Uh, I don't know if I'm answering correctly what you say. It's hard to say what all Christians believe, just as it's hard to say what all Jews believe, because <laughs> it's... We, we, we are very different, but I, I think that's where I stand, is that I believe that we are, um, that we are free if, if we want to, and, and if one wants to take on the Sabbath and the, and the um, what do you call it, the, the, the dietary laws and so on, and, and abide by them, I, I don't think... Well, I, we I can agree there's no prohibition. May I read a verse from your New Testament, Soapy? Please do. That I always... Keep handy, because this is always, there's two of them in particular, but th- these two have fascinated me. Uh, it's uh, one of The first one is in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verse 12. Listen to this. This always fascinated me, and, I, and I've never really heard this dwelt upon in, in the Christian world. Paul's letter to the uh, believers in Ephesus, yeah. Okay. Uh, but the book is called Ephesians, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, 2, 12. Remember that you were at one time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world, 13. But now in Jesus Christ, who brought you formerly from afar, 
has brought you near the rising of the sun. What's that? That's our music. Oh, I thought I was hearing angels. Anyway, and then there's another verse. And listen to this one from Galatians. It says, uh, the blessing of Abraham may come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that they, we, might receive the promise of spirit through faith. I got to tell you, what I'm reading that stuff, what I'm reading is that Jesus was giving to the quote-unquote non-Jews the same type of thing that the Jews had, but he was giving it to the non-Jews. Do you get that out of there? I do, I do. Let's come back and talk about it right after our break. Can you stay on the line with us, Bernadette? Yes. Thank you very much. We appreciate your call. 340-9585. You can call in as well on the quiz show. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. I want you to meet my friends at the Laptop Specialist. Pioneers since 1982 in serving the military, business, and personal computing needs of our city. Our ministry depends a lot on our computers. And whether it's repairs, service, upgrades, or even the purchase of a new machine, the James family and their great staff keep our equipment working, freeing us to do what we're called to do. Go to thelaptopspecialist.net or call 344-4563. 344-4563 for their two locations. The Laptop Specialist, Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning processes? Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets. Nature's Factor, carpet cleaning for the 21st century, 831-3535. Well, Elizabeth and I went to Lex Rest Lube, and our experience was fabulous. We got in and out of there in literally 20 minutes. When we went to where we had got our oil done before, it could take us two hours. The service was very friendly. You can really trust them. They were super courteous. They vacuumed out the entire front of the car, which was surprising. I didn't very expect nice. to receive that kind of service. And their name is their game. Express Lube is accurate for the name of their store. And with 23 stores, there's an Express Lube near you. Some Christians don't spend much time reading or studying the Old Testament because they think it has nothing to say to them today. But the Old Testament is threaded with pictures of Jesus Christ and relevant lessons. That's why on Through the Bible Radio, Dr. J. Vernon McGee teaches both the Old and New Testaments. We take five years to go from Genesis to Revelation, weaving back and forth from old to new. Why not join us and catch a glimpse of some of these truths as Dr. McGee vividly explains what's in it for us. Through the Bible with J. Vernon McGee. Weekday mornings at 6 on AM 630 KSLR. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I this is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. That's my heart to feel. 
right, we are back and uh, actually visiting with a wonderful listener uh, who has called before, always asks great questions in, in helping us explore this book. That let's let's keep that as our main emphasis. Is this uh, the Tanakh, the Hebrew Scriptures, thirty nine books of the Old Testament, and uh, what we know is the New Testament, the Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then the the letters. So mainly, uh, primarily after that, letters from. Uh, an early uh, Jewish rabbi named Paul, who who uh, uh, who began to follow Messiah, followed Jesus, and he was used greatly, a great influence over the first century, probably the greatest influence uh, for uh, this uh, this entire thing. It become became what we call today Christianity, uh, followers of Jesus, the Messiah, and which is I am saying over and over again that really is an extension of only. A continuation of the the Hebrew, the Jewish revelation, uh, the, as we understand it from from the Old Testament, and of course as Gentile believers. Now, I, I need to ask you a question, Bernadette, because you can tell that your question flummoxed me a little bit. Oh, I love that word flummoxed. Flummoxed, yes. We we do. It's a good question. Uh, it is a very good question, and it has to do with because, and it goes all the way back, uh, Bernadette. I, I think you'll pr- appreciate this. This was the question, a key question that was asked in the very beginning. That was one of the great reasons for the misunderstanding and, and uh, seeming conflict in the early church. If you look at the book of Acts in the New Testament, you'll see that that is the issue. How are these new believers, these Gentiles who are trusting and coming to God through the God of the Scriptures, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but through their faith and trust in, in Jesus as Messiah, they were walking into then the Hebrew, they were coming into the Hebrew faith, but then how would they relate to the the all of the, the laws? These six hundred and thirteen are they called mish mish uh, mitzvot? Yeah. Yes, mitzvot. She can answer. Ask her. Yeah. Uh, so that was a big issue back then as well as today. So uh, let me ask you a little bit, kind of behind your question, what what. Did I answer it anyway? I felt like I was a little muddled and a little... No, you answered my question. You absolutely did. Okay, Uh, so I was clarity is what I was kind of looking for. Uh, Tell me a little bit about what's behind your question. Last week, um, one of your callers brought up Leviticus 18.22. And I hear Christians quote that all the time. And I'm wondering of the... One law that people quote, are they aware of the other 612? <laughs> okay. Because I don't hear them quoting the other 612. Okay. Uh, uh, Leviticus 18.22, if for those of you, just in case you weren't listening at that time, uh, we did talk a little bit about the, um, the morality of our era and our times, the struggles that we're going through as a society today. And one of the believers called in and said, uh, read Leviticus talking about sexual purity and so on. Do not practice homosexuality, having sex with another man as with a woman. It is a detestable sin. Uh, and it also goes into bestiality. I mean, it, there's a section here about a perversion, sexual perversion and sexual yeah, I'm sin. I'm familiar with the section. So I, I'm just wanting, <laughs> I know you are, but I just, uh, with our with Jacob, other three listeners, I wanted them to, <laughs> to cue in with us as well. But, so the point is someone brought that up, a Gentile believer, a, a, a Christian, called in and um, 
I think we do that would fall in I suppose what we would call moral laws uh, and practices it hasn't to do with uh, dietary you know don't eat this meat or that or, or that food or that or it doesn't have to do with with uh, the um, ideas well, we of can agree ceremonially this, this pure. is a mo- this is, has to do with sexual stuff not eating yeah and not and not a, a religious ritual not like okay. a, let's let's I want to lay a, a clarity on the ground rules may I yes please okay I want in you fact to, you can chime in anytime because I think you might be well, able to be more helpful than let I me would just be. say this <laughs> and this is going to be a wrinkle but let's take this now I understand and I s- certainly appreciate how, uh, from a, a different point of view, people classify the rules by being moral, ethical, and ritual. I get that. However, I do want to point out that the word ritual appears nowhere in the Hebrew Bible. I know, yes. So, a mitzvah is a mitzvah where God says do it, and you do it. It's not just a good deed, but it's a mitzvah doing what God said do. And it's so, a commandment. It's a commandment, yes. Sure. We, mm-hmm. So what you're doing is not the ten suggestions, right? When we're saying what you're classifying as ritual has absolutely the word doesn't appear, but in the Jewish mind, in the Jewish Bible, there is no classification that distinguishes a so-called ritual as being a lesser thing to be required in the Jewish mind. Wait, wait, wait! I know you're starting to go, but I'll have to interrupt you. No, I'm not. And so, (laughs) there's no um, there's no distinction between that and the other ones and i'm going to tell you the two that teach us that is this is in the jewish frame of reference there's one that says you shall what's considered actually the hardest is you shall honor your mother and father so you may live long upon the land hardest the easiest is you shall wave your hand and send the mother bird away before you take her eggs in other words you don't take the mother and the egg at the same time and it goes on to say, so you wave your hand, the mother bird goes away, so you may live long upon the land. Why? And it gives exactly the same thing. The point is so that we don't know what things were ten points, what the worth one point. We are not supposed to be, as in the Jewish understanding, you're not supposed to be in that position. You're supposed to do it, whether it, you're classified as a ritual or a moral law. And in our mind, as practical human Americans, we say, well, I see the difference, and okay, we do. But God was very careful not to tell us, at least as in the Jewish reference, that we are not in a position to make a difference or a distinction between them. So the word ritual is a 100% a later adaptation and classification in the non-Jewish world. All right. I, I get that. I know the word ritual is not there, really. Right. Yeah. But I and I don't do, I don't know. Are uh, maybe uh, Bernadette or Jimmy? The one of you could answer. I'm sorry, who? who? Bernadette. Yeah, mine, Jacob or Jake. Oh, or Jacob. Yes, Bernadette or Jacob can answer. Ma- this. Maybe you like John. John may be <laughs> able to answer it as well. What do do when you look at these six hundred and thirty six hundred and thirteen Michigan? I don't know if I'd say it. Mitzvah. Mitzvah. Um, I think what we as Christians think, and I'll just kind of try to say very clearly, and it may not be very reasoned or, or, or academic or intellectual, but we basically believe that we're under the moral laws. We should, the Ten Commandments, we should follow, we should not be immoral, we should not be impure, we should try to live holy, righteous lives in the Lord. But the the laws that have to do with uh, 
in in the Old Testament scriptures, the the ones that had to do with with religious purity, you know, so that you can sit in the congregation. Some of those uh, we we don't feel like we're obligated to keep. We don't feel like we're obligated to keep dietary laws. Eat this, don't eat that. Eat this kind of thing. Uh, those aren't. And basically, what we take this from is the New Testament, Bernadette, where we're told coming out of that conference, that convention or that conference in in Jerusalem um, with James, uh, who was the leader of the church there in in Jerusalem. And this conflict came up, and that's what they came out with, that we are more under uh, the Noahic laws, the, the moral laws that God has given for purity and holiness, and that essentially... Uh, the law has been fulfilled in us through our relationship with Messiah. He is transforming and writing God's laws on our hearts so we act and live as we ought. So we still highly value the Ten Commandments. We highly value the commandments of God, uh, and particularly those that tell us how we should treat our neighbor, how we should love each other with fairness, with justice. Uh, none of those, all of those we value and preach, you know, preachers preach from them every the Old Testament Christian preachers preach from the Old Testament. My guess is maybe as much or more even than from the New Testament. Uh, Christian, if you go to Christian congregations, they'll they'll preach from the prophets, they'll preach from the kings, and from um, all of these different books uh, quite liberally. So we still do believe in those, but I suppose it it, it is it, is it that same conflict of of the first century. Jacob, is that? Well, it certainly is. Now, I want to tell you, a lot of people may not know what you're talking about. In, I know. In I'm not sure I do, even. Well, that's okay. <laughs> well, that's okay. You know, we'll, we enjoy your happy pattern no matter what. Uh, but okay. here's, a, if I may, you're talking about, see, there is something that's called the Noahide Laws. And that was, at the minimum, the, the teaching for non-Jews. Now, and you're talking about in the book of Acts. You're talking about Acts 15. I looked it up while you were uh-huh. enjoying your conversation with uh, Bernadette. And I will read this to you. And I want you to catch the first sentence. This okay. is 15:22. Now, for Moses from ancient generations has in every city who preach him and is read in every synagogue every Sabbath. It seemed good to the apostles that the elders and the whole church should go uh, should follow these laws. And it goes on to say that you shall, and it lists three or four laws. Actually, there's seven of the Noahide laws. So right there in the New Testament, I've often found it fascinating that it's in the New Testament, the, the, the so-called Noahide laws coming from Noah. And so it's fascinating that that is in the, what we'd say, you know, the Christian scriptures. It's there... And yet I have found that if you have this discussion with, you know, a Christian, a non-Jew, they don't seem to realize that those laws listed there were evidently given to Christians. And certainly it says from the time of Moses. So since the time of Moses, the Jews have always taught that these these minimum laws applied to non-Jews. And it's right there. It's listed. And while I, I'm not in any way disagreeing with the idea of uh, the Christian concept of Jesus, salvation, says all that, I am saying that it does appear that this old concept, originally from Moses, and it was taught in every synagogue every Sabbath, it says, which is correct, that they are to do these seven things. 
And I find that fascinating that if that is a commandment and a ruling right there in Acts 15, I found it fascinating why it doesn't seem to be talked about. It doesn't seem to be taught. I don't, and maybe you can address that because that has always confused me. I'm not sure I can address it well, but I think that the, the, Here's what I've just, as I've grown up uh, as a, an Apache Indian Gentile believer in Jesus, I came to uh, trust in Christ and began to walk with the Lord when I was eight years old. So now that's uh, more than half a century later, I've been walking with the Lord, enjoying uh, my walk with, with the God of Old and New Testaments, the God of the Bible, these many, many years. Uh, I... I, I I don't even know how to say this. This is something that bothers me. I've never really had this conflict that much with Judaism. I've always admired and loved and appreciated uh, the Jewish people, the Jewish nation, and their role. God has used them as an instrument of revelation, as an instrument to bring the Messiah into the world, to bring uh, knowledge about the truth. Well, and when God. you get to heaven, let us not forget in the Christian religion... I'm going to be represented by a Jewish lawyer. Exactly. That that <laughs> that I've never forgotten that, and that's part of why how the program has come about. That I think we as American Christians and believers somehow somehow that may have been kind of lost. We've not emphasized it. We've not talked about our links as an expression uh, of the Jewish uh, message. Now, let me t- let me uh, Bernadette. I'm sorry. I'm rattling on here, but I want to bring you into this if I can. Is that the it's my understanding that the law, uh, the Noahic law, neither the Noahic law nor the Mosaic law, neither one was ever understood, even by Jews, to be the mechanism, the means of salvation. In other words, one, no one ever gets to heaven or begins saved or made rightly related to God because they keep the law. In other words, the law was, the law was made for God's people, those who do know God and love God and follow him. The law was made to teach how we ought to live, how we ought to behave ourselves, what values we should carry, how we should treat other people. So the well, law is was no, never an instrument of redemption, right. well, uh, she, if she I understand correctly. There is no heaven in Torah. Right. Uh, I guess the, that, that means uh, there is no heaven in Torah. Uh, no, there's no heaven in Torah. There is, we, we don't have heaven or hell like Christians do in Torah. I see. So that, in other words, does that highlight the point I'm making? Is that yes, the, the, you the, both are saying the same. Thing. The laws are not a means the, to salvation. The Torah itself. tells us how, how to, live. to live in this world as people of God. As people of God, well, I attack that on there. I'm comfortable yeah, with it. We are a holy people. Yeah, yeah. And we are called but, to so obey and honor us, our God. But the point so. is, wait, this is an important point. It tells you as a human being how you should live. Right. It's not saying, hey, you do this, you get to have. Jews don't think that if I do these laws, contrary to a lot of thoughts floating around, that if I do these laws, I earn my way to heaven. Jews do not work their way to heaven. Right. The Torah teaches Jews, and ideally all people, what's fair and how you treat other people, other human beings. It's about how you live in this world, not about getting to heaven. Okay. Well, then, so if that's true, then that helps understand a little bit, Bernadette, about how Christians view the Hebrew Scriptures and the, and the, and the Mishvah, the, the 613 mitzvah. laws. Mish, yes. Say it again. Mitzvah. Mitzvah. That's how we, we view it as binding, as 
it instructs us, it guides us, it helps us to live lives that honor our God, uh, that honor our Savior, and so on. But it's not a means of salvation. We don't come. We don't get quote to heaven. Uh, we're not made right with God necessarily by our keeping the law. The fact is, is that the law, in that sense, condemns us because we come to see that we haven't kept the laws of God uh, in our hearts and our minds, and, and so we need a redeemer. We need redemption. We need. Uh, 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 an atoning lamb. Uh, uh, we need a, uh, uh, um, Yom Kippur. We need a, a, a lamb of, to take our sin away. And that's, of course, what John the Baptist said about Messiah, about Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away to the sin of the world. So we come into the right, right relationship with God through our faith and trust in the redemptive plan of God, redemp- God's redemptive plan through Messiah. And then as people of God, we honor the the laws of God. We want to keep the commandments of God. We want yeah, to. Walk I'd like to ask Bernadette what lives. you started to ask her before. Bernadette, I'm interested. What was, if I may use a biblical term, what it was the genesis of your question? Why, what what prompted you to ask that question? Yeah. Well, as I mentioned, a lot of Christians I hear quote Leviticus eighteen twenty two, which is one of the six hundred and thirteen. And I just wondered if Christians were bound still by the 613 and why they didn't quote the other 612. That was the genesis of my question. <laughs> A very good question, I think. Because I can quote the other 612. Uh-huh. We don't have time, but I could. I, so you, in the Jewish understanding, you make no... Dis- aren't there a, a great number of those 613 laws that you are incapable of keeping today? Yes, but I'm still familiar with them. I see. As a Jew, I need to be. Exactly. Okay, I get it. Um, but so they have nothing really actually to do in a way with your... So, see, when I even use the word salvation... Yeah, we don't have salvation in Judaism. You don't do not, you say? We, how could we possibly have that? I don't know uh, if there's no no, we, there's we, no hell. There's no accountability. Oh, I would say there's accountability. Into eternal. What do you have a hope beyond beyond the grave and so on? What do you think happens? Do we just? Do what you do I think happens, or what the Jew believe? Jews believe. What are you asking me? I'm asking. You said already earlier you don't believe in heaven and hell. Jews, there is no heaven or hell in Torah. Right, Jacob? That is correct. It's not mentioned because it's on how to live in this world. Okay. Exactly. But how do you how do you become right? How do you become uh, r- uh, right with a holy and just God so that you... What does happen to you after death then, exactly? I don't know what happens to me after death. Okay. I live by the commandments. Okay. All the commandments that refer to women all of those I can, I do. And all the Jewish men that I know, I expect them to follow the commandments. I think that we are exactly on... Now, I may be going out on a limb here. I think we're on exactly the same page at a certain level. We, None of us know either exactly what happens after death. We don't know, even though... But the New Testament does speak to that, evidently, 
far more than the than the Tanakh. Oh, the, I would agree with that a hundred percent. The New Testament, yeah. Jesus often talked about it after death, yeah. salvation, eternal life, and so on. And so, maybe the idea is that Messiah brought more light. He brought us more understanding that indeed there is an existence, a life after well, death. We Jews go to be always, with God. The, the concept in Jewish the Jewish world from the beginning has always been that there's something that starts, may I use an example, right from the beginning of Genesis. I always like to use this because you're familiar with it. Uh, Cain and Abel. Cain kills Abel, correct? Yes, right. Uh-huh. Well, before that, what happens is God's talking to Cain, and he says, hey, Cain, why are you so downcast? What's the problem here, boy? And he says, listen, don't you know if you do better how you act the Torah, you will... Things will go better for you. If you don't, sin waits for you at the door. Now, hold on. The door is not your front door or your back door. Picture the hole dug in the ground as a door. So why would it matter if there's nothing after that? Why would it matter if you step through the door in this world into the grave into the other world? If it's waiting for you, there's something there. You see? So it's not the so door. So that's the door that's being talked about? In yeah, that it's passage. a grave. Because look at it. It looks like a door to the other world. See? He's not talking about your front door or your back door. And <laughs> well, we always took it as just meaning at the door. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah. well, it's at the door. It's yeah. right there. No, it's, it's imminent. It's, it's going from but I, I get it. this world to some is other that world. Your, do you understand that passage that way as well, Bernadette? No, I don't. Okay. Uh, and you're not going to get two different Jews to agree with the same opinion. I've heard that. I, and I'm beginning to think the same thing can be said about that's a, one more proof that we are really just uh, baptized Jews. We, we have because I we disagree greatly. Uh, there is not a one voice for all of us in that sense. I, what I was going to say, though, is I think the primary difference is as is, is we've come into uh, that relationship and our, our belief in God and to follow God and over through the message of Messiah, and that has been that really does have something to do with redemption. Uh, what he's saying is that because and and it's not a new redemption. It's, it's I think you would probably agree. I don't know how what you would agree with. I've often wondered how do Jews get right with God so that they can walk with a confident, secure relationship with God. And, and not fear death and know that they're going to go be with God, that God's got their future in, in his, that they are right with him and they, that they are going, yeah. they're going uh, to. Uh, uh, I think he's trying to get to the issue of Teshuva. Maybe you should explain Teshuva. Is oh, Teshuva? Or not? Well, no. she'll explain it. No, it's repentance. You repent and God forgives. But there, there are many, many rules for that. And, um, sure. you know, that's why we have Rosh Hashanah. We have the 10 days of awe. We have a lot to do during those 10 days. And then we uh, have Yom Kippur. And that's when we, you know, that's Teshuvah. Sure. Oh, and I, that, of course, re- that's fundamental to our faith and understanding as we come into as we approach a holy and righteous God and we see his commandments that we've broken, that we were not living as we ought, we know we need forgiveness. We come repentant. Not only are we willing to f- confess our sins and admit that we are sinners and that we have you know, insulted a holy and righteous God, but, but that we, that I guess it goes beyond, we believe that forgiveness and that cleansing is, is, is there. But I guess uh, 
we believe in that because we see, I think, in other words, you become rightly related to God because of faith and trust in his goodness, in his forgiveness, in his in his well, uh, patience. We aren't promised forgiveness. Okay, and what we see is Yeshua is simply a, an evidence of, he's the expression of that forgiveness. Yeshua is the Lamb of God who does indeed, not like bulls and goats and other, he is the one who came and atone, uh, substitutionary atonement, he took our sin upon himself, he took my punishment for me. He who knew no sin became sin for us, for me, Soapy Dollar, and I then, because of my faith in Yeshua, I now... I'm, I've come into a confident, secure relationship with God that I believe that He has my so eternity. So it gives you a sense of security. It's security, right? uh-huh. it, but I don't think that's con- I don't think that's conflicts with anything in Judaism. What it does is simply we have because Jesus Messiah is a Jewish concept. Yeah, it's but not, hold on. Yeah. Let's let's stay right there on topic for a okay. second. Okay, um, look. When she's talking about Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, on Rosh Hashanah, that occurs 10 days prior to Yom Kippur. On that 10 days, let's suppose on Monday I stole your radio, on Tuesday I stole your tennis shoes, or somebody else. So on Monday, I do the. I supposedly, the way to. You see what's this, really important to Jacob is his tennis shoes. That's, <laughs> it seems to be important. We're seeing his before values you, be, here. Before you scoff, okay. you should know it's important to God. All right, all right, all right. No, yeah, please take your best shot. He'll get you later. <laughs> you go for it. Uh, no, no, keep going. So what you do is you correct the wrongs you've done to other human beings during that time. Uh-huh. That's for the period of my making a amends and correction from me repenting towards you for what I've done to you. Now, on Yom Kippur, that's a, a special holy day. That's a day of repentance, forgiveness to God for violating his laws. On for that, sins against okay, God, Okay, right? listen, yes. Well, it's more than sins. But oh, yeah, okay. let's say that on Yom Kippur, did you know what I've done to other human beings? What other human beings is not even mentioned. It's only between me and God. The days before, I've corrected. I can stand before God and said, God, you know I'm truly sorry because I stole Sophie's radio. I went back and gave him his radio, and I gave him a new radio. I corrected my conduct towards other human beings. Now when I appear on Yom Kippur, I'm talking to just God. So you have a day for just God. But even in Yom Kippur, it wasn't just God willy-nilly saying, I believe, I, I, you've repented, I, I forgive you. I forgive. Remember, there were, there were two goats. And they were killed. They were slain. Their blood was poured out, one on the altar and one who to show the, the, the sin taking out of the camp. One sent out into yes, the desert. So that is for us, are, Jesus. Those symbolisms are interesting, but I'm talking about the meaning of those things. Right, exactly. And I think uh, Bernadette is as well. Oh, I have to take our break. Bernadette. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. And we are back again visiting with 
frankly, we're just going to have to pay you a salary, Bernadette, for being a great co-host tonight. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. We are reading in the uh, in the Bible. We are focusing uh, these days on uh, Corinthians, which is a uh, this is the Apostle Paul, and this is uh, Judaism applied to thousands of Gentiles who lived in this corrupt, sinful city of Corinth, and them struggling to live like people of God. Uh, in, in in this very wicked uh, environment, and then we also we we actually we hadn't mentioned this, but we also focused a little bit on opening the opening chapters of the book of Job. Uh, interestingly enough, tonight as well, Bernadette. Uh, actually, even Job, which is considered, I think, uh, the oldest book. Is that right? The oldest book of it's the, the uh, oldest one written. Yes. Yes. Uh, even he said, "If a man dies, shall he live again?" You know, what's what's beyond the grave? What's there was this. Obviously, we're not the first ones to under uh, to wonder what happens to us after death, and so on. Uh, as as Jacob pointed out, it's there in, in Genesis, the opening chapters, with uh, um, yeah, it's there. Well, we. I don't know. Your microphone was not. No, I can't hear Jacob. There you go, Jacob. Say can that. Can you hear me now? Yes. Yes, I can hear you now. My AT and T is working. Um, anyway, no, but even in Ecclesiastes or what the Jews call Kohelis, um it says Solomon says, "Okay, look, who can really say if the animal goes down, the body, the physical, to the earth, and the spirit goes up? You just have to believe it." And if you look at the last verses in. Ecclesiastes or Kohelis, it's saying, look, here's your duty. Obey God and his commandments. Now that is it, and that's the religion of Judaism. And that's also the religion of Christianity. That's oh, at the heart of okay. our faith. It's not, okay. it's not easy believism. Oh, we just believe in Jesus and we get to live however we want. Sure. Uh, an insincere conversion is no conversion at all. And that would so be the same for both Judaism and Christianity, right? For a second, because in in Christianity, we talked. You and I were discussing during the break, uh-huh. and I said, "Look, um, if a Christian came along and he was insincere, he lied. He said, hey, God, forgive me.' You know, uh, God would uh, would God forgive him? And you agreed that God would not because it's insincere. It's a lie. Well, the same thing that Bernadette was referring to. I was saying, Yom Kippur. I've I've done everything I can do legitimately." that I can do to the other human beings I've wronged. Now, on Yom Kippur, I show up, and I say, God, look, I, 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 you know, I'm not really the guy I was. I truly have done Teshuvah. I have re- truly repented. You can see it from my actions. And so now you present yourself, and God will judge your heart. And if, he, if it's a true repentance, a true Teshuvah, then what yeah. happens is he can forgive. But if it's not, it's just like in the Christian world, God won't forgive an insincere Christian. Uh, that's the way I see it. I think you're exactly right. And my question would be, or my observation would be, that frankly, we both, in terms of being rightly related to God, and I guess there I'm talking about salvation, I, whether it means heaven or hell or whatever, but I, I'll just put it in those terms. In terms of being rightly related to God, it sounds to me like we both believe that we come into a right relationship with God by... Uh, sincere repentance and our faith in God's grace and goodness and forgiveness. Right? Would that be true for the your relationship? 
we don't really have a term for God's grace in Judaism. Right. I understand. So, I, I, and let's take away the word the race then. And just, in other words, you're being... I live as a good Jew. If you... Okay, as you live as a good Jew... And, and Okay, let's say you're wondering in your mind, does it ever... Do you ever ask yourself, am I right with God? No, never. Okay. Well, I know if I live as a good Jew, that's what God wants of me. So that, there isn't doubt. So the... Oh, okay. So you beyond beyond the question, you've gone to, you have a sealed and settled faith in God's goodness, God's mercy. Uh, I won't use the word grace. Uh, in His forgiveness, right? In other words, you believe God has forgiven you, and that you are now you are right with Him. You're once a year, I get to ask for God's forgiveness for my sins, and I do that. And when I leave the synagogue. At the end of the day, I have a clean slate, and I feel wonderful. And I understand it, and I would never in a million years try to take that away that from you. In other words, I, I want people to be have that same experience. First year, watch out. <laughs> I, want to have, I want people to have that same, same experience, uh, everyone, to have that sense of being cleansed and forgiven and being right with God. You know, that, that things... And, and, so I think that's what we're all looking for, Jew or Gentile alike. Um, but you come to that. I guess what I'm trying to get you to see, maybe, is that you come to that point by faith. You, you're trusting. You leave. I, uh, I you, you leave the synagogue God, yes. because of your faith in God's word and God's promise and God's love, God's forgiveness, God's goodness, His mercy. You you come to that point of right feeling that you are right with God and, and right standing with Him, it, you come to that by faith. And I and I think that's wonderful. All that we have, all the New Testament does is build on that to give you added assurance and added uh, uh, understanding of, uh, yeah, you are forgiven, you are cleansed. And, and going even further is that God has demonstrated His love. He has the, the, aton- the Yom Kippur, uh, the, the goats that, that were slain, his blood was put on the altar. The other goat that who's taken out into the wilderness to show the process of sanctification. God is not only forgiving us, but he is removing, taking sin out of our lives, out of our, out of our, he is writing his laws, his new laws on our hearts now as his people. Then we see that picture right there in Yom Kippur. And that is the work we understand, we come to believe, of Messiah. That's the work, that's what Jesus did. Is it, he hasn't obliterated or taken away anything. Isn't He's only there some verse in in the New Testament in the Christian scriptures about uh, He's your Yom Kippur, He's your yes. Passover, something like that. In the book of Hebrews, is written to okay. Hebrew Jewish believers. Yeah, it yeah. talks about this relationship. Uh, okay. Messiah didn't come to obliterate right. or destroy the law or well, take okay. away the law well, at all. All right, but he let's, came let's, to... let's slow down for a second. Okay. All right, so <laughs> let's take a deep breath and recognize that whether each agrees with the other on how it's done, yes. each religion seems to have the recognition of the requirement for repentance and, hopefully, restitution. Right. And, and then faith. We well, trust. Ultimately, faith. we trust in God's goodness, His mercy, His His forgiveness. Well, I, I think that that can be an acknowledgement of both. Okay. So I I don't take that away from the Christians, but I do know that the Jew. It's a it's kind of a given 
and uh, Jewish thought that their God is trustworthy. And it, they don't rely on faith, per se, that we use the word. Uh-huh. They rely, as Bernadette said, on trust. <laughs> faith and trust are the same thing, aren't well, they? Well, perhaps in your vocabulary, but not in the Jewish world. Trust is something else. Oh, okay. So, I never have heard that. Well, that's interesting. That's what I'm saying is, is that the trust is there. For example, now I'm going to say something. Embrace yourself, Soapy. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, when Bernadette's saying that in the Torah there's really no mention of heaven or hell, she's correct. It's how to live in this world. We agree on that. Now, here's the catch. <clears throat> Historically, and this is going to be a hard pill to swallow for some folks, uh-huh. as part of the quote-unquote covenant between God and Israel, uh-huh. you see, this life we're in is nothing more than a, a shell. And so it's a transition. So when my, let's call it my spirit, my soul, whatever you want to use, when I step out of this, I go right to heaven. So what's important for a Christian thought to have the salvation. And by heaven, you mean the presence of God. I am. Yes, whatever I, that I, means. I'm using the, he, okay. the Christian word. Yes. Okay. Okay. So what I'm saying is, you see, for the Jew, the idea is, no, no, I'm going to heaven. So the concept of that the Christians have about the salvation that's an important Christian concept, but that's not a concept, as Bernadette said, for Jews, because they view that as part of the covenant. And and we do, too. And we do, too. But it's all of one piece. I mean, the the covenant, the redemptive plan of God has to do with being forgiven and cleansed through the work of the atoning lamb, the atonement lamb. Sure, but what I'm saying is, as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I understand it, one of the requirements for Christian thought, and if I'm wrong, I apologize. That's right. But I understand that it's, it requires... I forgive you. I'm the great spokesman for all Christians. Okay, well, that's good. Uh-huh. I'll get the popcorn later. Okay. The, uh, the But the point is, is that they there's a requirement that you accept and believe in Jesus. Correct. Yes. Or yes. No? Okay. Let's say yes. But let's go on. Let's say yes. I got the yes out of you. So let's go. But on. the requirement. Uh, you say the word requirement. Uh, okay. But I want to. I want to kind of define sure, that. Sure. Sure. Take it out of. We'll take that word away. Okay. But now, in the Jewish frame of reference, you see, I can believe that there's spaceships in the backyard playing their radios too loud. What I believe isn't impactful upon what the Torah says. I can, I'm can. i free to have illogical thoughts, beliefs. Uh, a minute ago, uh, talking about interpretation, Bernadette didn't agree with me. That's fine. That's not an issue for Jews. So what I think, what I believe... It better not be an issue for Jews. That's true, because it's <laughs> the Jews' six opinions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the point is, so that. but the idea is, is that they're don't have the concept of the necessity and some Christians may say well see that's where they're wrong and that's just fine I I can accept that point of view but the point is they don't have that necessity for quote unquote salvation because they they view their going to heaven or whatever you want to call it as part of the covenant so they already have that concept so there is what I view as and I'm going to use this term a laundromat that where you might be, say, a lamb with blemish. A lamb is a symbolic, physical creature. The blemish is like a sin. So there is a laundromat process that the Jews have understand that where the sin, if you don't get rid of it, it you're going to deal with it some way in judgment with God somehow. 
but uh, they don't have the concept that 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 will be removed. But that, if you want to see, and it's a very, very hard thing to conceptualize. But there's a movie made by Robin Williams. It's called What Dreams May Come. Now, if you don't realize, because he was, you know, pretty, made a lot of Jewish movies. Anyway, so, if you don't realize what you're watching, it'll escape you. But in the movie, he goes, he dies in the movie. Right. And in there, he keeps running into these situations. And he, he repents. He says, oh, I was so wrong. I'm so sorry. He's experiencing the removing of the blemish, you might say. But that doesn't mean he's not going to heaven. So the Jews have the concept, that's why Bernadette, and she's right, they don't have the concept of getting salvation. They have the concept that's a given. Well, is that right, Bernadette? Yes, it is. Ah, thank you. I, all, I can, I can all hardly... Jewish, all Jews, souls go to heaven. If there is a heaven, we go back to God. We come from God, we go back to God. That's what we mean by but heaven, by the way. It's it's very simple. Well, I think of Christians thinking heaven's a place, and I don't think of heaven as being a place. Well, I understand. Uh, we're all dealing, when we talk about, uh, we have imagery from the scriptures, uh, you know, the, the streets of gold and the new Jerusalem and so on from the book of Revelation and all. But frankly... Heaven, in its essence, is to be with our God, to be there in the um, with the people of God gathered with our God, whatever that's like, whatever the existence hey, is so, like. Do you know the old Western movies, the black and white movies, where a guy walks into a bar and a barmaid walks up and slaps him on the chest and says, you big galoot, right? Yes, a galoot. Uh-huh. A galoot is the place. That's the name for the place. You'll actually find it. It's actually in the Psalms. Uh-huh. And that's where the souls, you might say, are. I'm just using physical language, are kept. And they return to yeah. there. So so when it's a glute, so what she's calling the guy, it's a Hebrew word. Yeah. What she's calling the guy in the old movies is, you're like an inexperienced soul that just got to earth and you're naive. You don't know what's going on. you got to learn the ropes. All right. I guess that I was going for here is that we Gentiles who opt into Judaism, Jewish God, Jewish scriptures, Jewish prophets, Jewish Messiah, Jewish Ten Commandments, everything, everything Jewish, we've we've done that because of this first century rabbi named Jesus of Nazareth who claimed to be that long-awaited Messiah, deliverer, savior, hero, who would who would bring about um, the redempt, who would fulfill the redemptive plan of God, and that he who he would take our sin upon him, the, the Lamb of God, uh, he is that that ultimate, genuine, real uh, Lamb of, of, of atonement, Lamb, upon which the basis of our forgiveness and our cleansing. So we come into that same relationship. A confident, secure relationship with our God because of the work of Messiah. Even in the Hebrew Scriptures, it says, The soul that sins, it shall die. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And so we've come to understand that the, the sacrificial system of the Old Testament and many of the, much of the imagery of the Old Testament, the tabernacle and so on, was a picture of God's redemptive plan, which was which was substitutionary atonement. That was the plan. Yom Kippur and others, that a, a holy, righteous one, his blood is shedding, and he takes our penalty, our punishment 
upon himself so that we now can walk in that same confident, secure relationship with God. So I believe that every Christian goes to heaven. Uh, and I guess the point is, is that if Christians are really just we have been grafted into to Israel, we are part of Israel, we are Jews, then I would say, yeah, we're saying the same thing. We believe that, that we go to heaven, but the basis of our of our faith is the God of the Bible, yes, his goodness, his mercy, his forgiveness, but we have an added in an added uh, uh, demonstration of that love and forgiveness in Messiah. In other words, Jesus didn't come to destroy those ideas. He came to fulfill them and to give us added confidence that the God of the Tanakh, the God of the Hebrew the God, the true and living God, that he is indeed there and that he has actually carried out in time and space, in history, the redemptive plan. There is one who has come, not just a, a bull or a goat or an animal sacrifice, but, but that Messiah has come and he has taken our sins. And, in the, and so now we walk in that same confident, secure relationship with God that you spoke of, Bernadette. But uh, the, the object of our faith is uh, Messiah. And now because we're in that relationship, we value the laws of God. We want to keep the laws of God. We want to live in a way that holy and righteous and glorifies our God, brings glory to his name. So in a sense, we're on the same page. Uh, but we have that perhaps a different as Gentiles, paragraph. we have that same yeah, perhaps element. Perhaps a different paragraph. Well, give but the a same paragraph, page. maybe. Tell me how you respond to. Uh, do you hear anything at all? Is it resonating with you at all? Bernadette? Well, I understand the concept of Messiah. Okay. Every Saturday morning in the synagogue, we pray for the Messiah to come. Are you aware that's part of Saturday's prayers? I think I am. I think Jacob has told me that before. Yes. Okay, because it's not part of the Friday evening service. But Saturday morning is the Torah service, and we pray for the coming of the Messiah. So I do understand the concept, yes. Okay, so you can see then where we're coming from is that we believe Messiah has come at least one time. Yes, and I he's carried, he's carried out the work of that, redemption. Yes. He will come again, and he will come victorious to bring a close to history and to bring about the fulfilled, the ultimate kingdom of God. Uh, this earth will be, you know, done away with and establish God's kingdom. Uh, and I think I think she said so, yes. She's got the concept. Okay, all right. Yep. So it's it's whether he came one time or twice. That maybe that's maybe that's the only thing that separates us. I'm not sure. Well, I think may I make a happy compromise? I think you're the only one who might be able. Okay, uh, let me see. We're not really. I've really enjoyed this. I, well, I think of course you did. Clarifying because to me. you're a very intelligent and friendly man. Oh, yeah. Okay. But, well, okay. I want Here's the to know that. Let's say, do, let me ask you a question. Do you believe God can do anything soapy? Oh, oh boy. Is that a... Uh, yes. Okay. I'll just yes. jump in there the and say yes. yes. I'm, John, hold up a sign that says yes. Uh, so, but yes. God, God can do no evil. I mean, he can So, okay. Well... He okay. can't do something against his uh, own nature. Okay. Well, let's say... Yes, he can do anything. Well, if God can do anything, for me, the number one, the number two cannot be the same number. But God, it can be. So when the Christians are expecting Jesus a second time, if he is indeed the Messiah, and the Jews are expecting him the so-called first time, then for God, perhaps the number one and the number two is for him that can do anything the same number. I don't know how. (laughs) 
That's good. As a math major, I appreciate that illustration. That's great. Did you get it as well, Bernadette? Oh, yes. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, I'm telling you the truth. Your, your call has been uh, – I, I really appreciate it, and I appreciate your willingness to – delve deeply in these matters and think about it deeply with us because I do think there's a commonality. I think there's a link. We are uh, indeed uh, grafted in, if we understand the New Testament as as Gentile believers, we, we're simply grafted into Israel. We become part of the people of God. Uh, we believe we have that confidence and that faith and trust because uh, we, of our, our faith and trust in God. I do believe that we have the same God. I believe we worship the same God. I think I, and that's a common Jewish understanding. The Jews believe the Christians and the Jews do worship the same God. Yeah. Uh, it's just the, the idea of being in right standing with God. The object of our faith is, the, is surely is God's mercy, God's goodness, God's justice, and so on. But it's expressed, we see, or we believe, th- perfectly and ultimately through Messiah. And, that's, and you should believe that. Do you and know so why? Our, you should believe that because that's your faith. That's your religion. That's right. And I encourage you and I support you to believe that. Yeah, and to, that that's the basis of our confident, secure relationship yeah, sure. with God and our standing with God. On the other hand, as the people of as Jews, as the people of Israel, Jewish people, I, I'm I'm not quite, still not quite sure. What is the basis for thinking that you will go to, you know, all Jews go to heaven? Earlier you said you don't believe in heaven, now you said all Jews go to heaven. I well, understand. we go back to God, is what I'm saying. Okay. What is the basis, in the, the, what, in other words, what is the object of your faith to be able to say that? And I'm guessing it's just you're believing and trusting in God, His goodness, His mercy, His, His love, and that's what we're trusting in as well. <clears throat> but we just have this added evidence that to us gives us the confidence that God is loving and good and merciful, and that is through the person and work of Jesus of Nazareth, the, whom we believe to be the Messiah. I yeah. don't know what the object, what it is you ultimately are trusting in to be rightly related to I, God. I'm trusting in Torah. That's what I trust. It's the Word of God. Yes. If you can't trust the Word of God, what can you trust? <laughs> then that's, this is exactly where Jacob and I arrive in our conversations. And uh, I think sometimes, it, it, isn't that where we <clears throat> we get sometimes in why Jesus said uh, he is called the Logos? Well, I don't think he spoke Greek, but that's my position. Well, the idea is that Jesus and the Messiah and the Torah are not, they are indeed... Uh-huh. One, yes. they are. Yeah, I, I don't have any issue with that. And I was kind of doing tongue in cheek because he yeah. probably did speak some Greek. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I personally have some difficulty with calling logos. I don't think he's saying it. I think he's saying I am the word. The word is either davim, which means Hebrew, or aset hadibrot, which is the Ten Commandments. I think he's saying that I am the commandments. Yep. So there we come. We've come down to that. I, I kind of understand that. The Jewish perspective focuses on the Torah, on the Word of God, and we, our focus is, yes, on the Word of God, but as it presents what we thought was Messiah, we believe in Messiah, and now he, our focus is still the Word of God, but we don't see a conflict between our, our trust and faith 
Jesus is an expression of the Torah. He is that he is that Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's he's our Yom Kippur. He's our uh, you know our atonement. He's our Sabbath and that sort of thing. So we're we've come to the same point, but we are just focused on uh, your focus on Torah. Our focus is on. Redeemer, Savior, Messiah. That's, I guess that's as far as we could get this evening. Our time is up. But, Bernadette, oh, you have been so gracious and good to call. And I wish God's blessings on you and your family and loved ones. We're so grateful that you call in. Be a friend of the broadcast, all right? Thank you. You bet. Good night to you. Yeah. Well, that was, that was that was a long a, show, but it was interesting. I thought I hope the listeners thought it was interesting. We're going to have to pay Bernadette. Uh, yeah. well, I, I, I hope I hope people enjoyed a, that. a cohort salary. That was right. unexpected, but it, I think it was worthwhile. What do you think? We went with the flow, didn't we? Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next Sunday night here on the Bible Live. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture, and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.